Hey, hey. Remember this cool thing. Sorry. <laughs> What's going on? Welcome to uh, our first episode of the new year, 2018, of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are kicking off the new year. Going to talk about Angular Elements, something pretty special coming down the pipe. We're all excited about. Uh, if you're not, you might be excited about it after you hear about it. We'll find out. Uh, joining us today uh, as panelists, we've got Austin McDaniel. Austin, happy new year. What's going on? How's it going, everyone? I see the panda head is back in full effect for the new year. That's good. Oh, yeah. All right. So you're going to go half. I guess, I guess you're not going half the show with it on. OK, so that's off. No All way. Right. No way. <laughs> All right. Also joining us, Bonnie Brennan. Bonnie, how's it going? It's good. It's good. I luckily got over the flu. I, I uh, had the flu all through Christmas, but I'm feeling better. So good to be here. Right. Just in time for the episode. So that's good, right? Uh, yes. It's a bummer that you were sick over the holidays. I would not have missed this episode. All right. Well, we got a Mike Brocky with us. Mike, what's going on? Happy New Year. Merry New Year. Oh, I love that movie, Trading Spaces. Uh, yeah, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy to be here. Ready to get things started with a really cool episode for 2018 kickoff. You know, you just probably dated yourself a little bit with that reference, but you know, that's all good. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, man. <laughs> that was many, many moons ago. Many, many New Year's ago, for sure. For sure. And uh, Alyssa Eichel is going to be joining us here in a minute, so when she jumps on, we'll say hey to her. But our guest today is the one and only Rob Ormold. Rob, how's it going? Pretty good. How's everybody? We're all doing great. We're very excited to have you here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for making the time. Do you want to uh, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself? Or... Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Rob Wormald. I'm a uh, developer advocate slash developer program engineer on the Angular team uh, here at Google. Uh, I guess I've been on the team coming up on two years now. Uh, and being a DA, our job, so me and Steven, Steven Foon's the other one who's a DA, our job is, is kind of 50% uh, being out in the world, kind of talking about Angular, here's cool stuff that's coming. And the other half is kind of feeding what we hear from the outside world back into the engineering team, right? To to talk to and build stuff, and so kind of the touch point to the outside world for the other team. I should just name drop. The other thing I do is I write uh, NGRX as a project that I started. So if you're using NGRX, it's cool. Um, but nowadays, I spend most of my time on on kind of core engineering stuff. Yeah, you've been uh, talking and traveling a lot lately. Or at least to close yeah. out the last year. I think I did 38, 39 trips last year is what I counted, 38, 39 flights. Um, hopefully this year we'll do a few less. Um, but yeah, I love wow. traveling, man. But by the end of the year, it's just like enough, enough. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the world got to see your face in person last year. So that's yeah. for sure. I, I think the I, life of I didn't, go any, didn't go any, any further than like 150 yards from my house for about two weeks over, over Christmas, which was nice. So. Nice. Very nice. Oh, hey, Alyssa's joined us. Alyssa, how's it going? Hey, happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> All right. All right, so that's Rob. So uh, let's talk about Angular Elements. How about that? Cool. So what, what is this Angular Elements thing that uh, is the latest buzz on the, the net here? There's a lot of, lot, of, lot of hype around it, a lot of excitement around it. Everybody's that's thrilled all. to hear about it. So uh, Angular Elements is kind of uh, we are sort of calling it this kind of code name, all-encompassing term uh, for this idea we're working on, where we want to take Angular components that people already know how to use, already know how to write, 
And we want to make them uh, usable in a bunch of different situations, right? So Angular was built and has been built kind of primarily for building these big single page applications, right, where kind of Angular controls the whole, the whole page or the whole DOM. Um, and we, I think we do a really good job of that. But of course, we talk to lots of people uh, who may be coming from AngularJS, may be coming from you know, some kind of back-end server platform. They might be using .NET. They've never done the front end before. Um, and, and we hear a lot of, like, we want to do things with Angular, because we really like using it, uh, that are outside of this kind of single-page application model. Um, and there, so a lot of this is, is possible today. Like, these APIs exist in Angular, um, but they often have really long names, right? And really long-named APIs are always a little bit scary. Um, and you kind of have to know a lot about Angular itself to be able to consume an Angular component outside of Angular, right? And so outside of Angular being maybe you have a CMS, or maybe you have an existing website that you want to put a widget on it, or maybe you work in a big organization like Google where you have a bunch of different teams internally building stuff uh, with different frameworks, different products, right? So internal Google, we have Polymer and Angular and AngularJS and a framework called Wiz and a couple more. Um, and you know we have all the same problems that the outside world does, that we want to share code. We don't want to kind of redo the work for everything. The thing I always talk about when I'm talking about elements is like building date pickers. Everybody's built one. Nobody really likes doing it. It would be super cool if we could just build one and everybody could use it, no matter what platform you're using. And so this kind of idea is that we want to take the good stuff about Angular, the stuff that you know and love, all these, all these really nice things about Angular, and then kind of bake them into, plug them into, cross-compile them into, whatever you like, uh, this kind of idea of a web component. Web component ideas come from Google. It's probably been out five or six years at this point. And it's the idea of kind of doing natively built-in uh, HTML elements. They build to create your own kind of, of HTML tags, which is kind of what Angular does. Um, and the major benefit being that if we can kind of glue these two things together, then the idea is it gives you kind of all the power of Angular, all the stuff that Angular gives you, but also then the ability to consume these elements and use them basically anywhere in the sense that at that point they are just a DOM element and pretty much anybody who works on the web already knows how to use a button or an input or whatever, and so that kind of is, is the idea we're looking to translate uh, with Angular components. That's so like a jQuery widget or something like that, right? Like just the widget that I can throw on the page. And that's, that's like the, the widget case is the thing that we kind of have at the top of the list of use cases, right? Where I want to just drop a thing onto a page which may or may not be run in Angular, may or may not have anything to do with Angular, right? Um, and, and that's really the case that we're, we're kind of trying to solve. And that really encompasses a lot of the things we're talking about. So, you know, as I said, like a CMS-driven thing or a dashboard, or all these things that you want to do are all kind of built out of these widgets, if you like, right? And so we want to really just kind of provide a, a way to spit out these widgets from Angular. And, and rather than it being a jQuery widget or an Angular widget or whatever, right, it is a then completely standard uh, element in the browser that anybody can use. And, and that's kind of the major thing for us, right, is rather than inventing yet another widget API for everybody to learn and try to use, right, the standard exists. Let's just target the standard so that everybody can use them. So why can't we do this with Palmer today? So why can't we do this with Palmer today? Isn't that kind of the focus around like web components? So cool is that, that Paul does this, uh, Svelte does this, uh, Stencil, you know, the new project Myonic does this. Oh, like, you know, there are different ways to do frameworks. You use JSX or templates or whatever you want to do, right? Um, and it, I guess it's less about like how they're developed and more about the consumer, right? And so if you like, Palmer is a, is a really good example of this kind of idea. I would say the difference is that Polymer, sort of unlike us, right, doesn't provide 
the rest of the story, right? We have a forms framework and a routing framework and all these different things. And so for us, I would like you to be able to see to kind of pry and basically use Angular almost like Polymer, right? I just want to build components or widgets or whatever. And then if and when you need the rest of Angular, then you kind of have that already integrated and ready to go, right? But totally, I, I mean, it is that this is, this brings a part of Angular to be much more like Polymer in the sense that it is a, just a component API, right? You write components. And then, of course, Angular has the rest of this platform that we build with internationalization and you know, accessibility and all this stuff that we do really well. We want to be able to kind of expose that in the custom element API. But yeah, not really that different than Polymer itself. Or so, so that provides like a very seamless idea of what the development experience looks like, or at least the idea conceptually that you can write these custom elements to be able to use them with whatever consumer you want, whether or not it's raw, job, raw JavaScript raw HTML uh, or any other uh, frameworks that support uh, custom elements. What about browser support? So uh, this, is, this is kind of actually why we feel this is probably the right time to do this. So uh, obviously, it's been in Chrome for a long time. Uh, Safari has just landed them in Safari Stable. Uh, they are being implemented in Firefox at the moment. And we are still waiting to hear from Edge, but we hope they'll do kind of implement this. Uh, they're polyfillable back to like IE9, I believe. Um, and so, you know, where, where, ne where needed, you can polyfill them back. The polyfills are fairly large, right? The trade-off being, if you don't need the polyfills, then, right, you know, you're not shipping kind of any extra code for that. Um, and, and again, because this is a standard, I and mean, this is not even really a controversial standard, we're reasonably confident that it will be implemented across all the browsers, right? And, and that's really the beauty of standards, is that you don't have to think too much about if they're going to work on the other end, right? It's, it's much, much less about the way that they're being built and much more about the way they're being consumed, which is different as a, as a framework author, right, and as framework people. I think we all think a lot about how we build this thing, how is it built, where the IDEs, where the tooling, which are all important questions, right? But they help, they're, they're absolutely no help to the person who's consuming this, this element, right, this thing you spit out. And that's the, the case that we want to solve for, right? You should be able to use this you know, material date picker without having to know anything about Angular at all to consume that thing. Uh, if and when you decide you want to use Angular, great. But you should be able to use this thing without any knowledge of Angular. And, and kind of we, what we hope that means is that you know, if you're looking at evaluating frameworks, Angular, Polymer, or whatever, then you know, obviously Angular has this pedigree of being this very powerful, you know, long-lasting framework. But also then you can kind of do this little piece of it, right? which is not a thing that you can do today. Easy. I think the uh, AngularJS story and like taking a trip back into time and, and talking about where that was and, and where we're at now with Angular is, is an interesting angle to it, right? If you think back with AngularJS and you took that code and you're saying, I'm going to build something. Well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about building a, a chunk of a little app and then, oh, I could add this other routing to make it a whole single page app or it could just be a chunk of piece with data binding and things on my page, right? And you get into the Angular world and it very much feels like Angular is all about the entire application and your spa focused, right? Um, and so now how would you utilize Angular to do something like that? Like if I just wanted to have a, um, an email signup form on my existing site, like I'd like to write it in Angular because I know Angular well for the front end client. There's a little bit of complexity there, but how could I do that, right? And now Angular Elements feels like that's that solution that almost bridges back what you could do in AngularJS to some degree with that, with just building app widgets in Angular. And I think that other compelling part that you talk about is the fact that, oh, on the other end is the ability to write in Angular, but produce something that's not Angular specific. Okay. 
Yeah, the, the AngularJS case is, is a thing that we, you know, there are, there's probably an issue opened once a month about wanting to do the kind of thing that AngularJS let you do, which was, you know, I have some HTML, I just want to sprinkle some Angular into it and kind of enhance it, right? Uh, and there's, you know, there's a variety of reasons why we don't do that in, in kind of Angular anymore, the primary one being it's expensive to do compilation and, and often it's a security vector, right? Uh, but certainly, that flexibility is the thing that we want to bring back, right? It's, it's a fairly common case. And again, it's, it's possible today. Um, in, on the Angular website, our documentation is, is actually this way today, where you know, the vast majority of the content on Angular.io is static HTML. All, all that to be compiled into Angular code, right? But we do want to have you know, a big, you know, it might be 500 paragraphs sort of content, right, an HTML file, because that's what it makes sense to ship that is that HTML file, right? We might have widgets, we might have these, you know, you tab through code, we have these examples that are all, these are all Angular components in Angular documentation. We kind of gnarly process today where we kind of bring in this, this piece of HTML and then we do a query against this thing and we track, you know, we kind of pick out all of the potential elements we think we might want to enhance, right? And then we run a bunch of kind of magic on the Angular side and this is those kind of long API names you have to understand. Uh, and you can manually, you can say, like, take this element and kind of stick this component onto it, right? It's not easy to do. It's not a, not a trivial thing. The term we use for these Angular elements is that they are self-bootstrapping, in the sense that the only thing you have to do to get them to start up is put it in HTML, and that's it. Crap command, you don't say, like, query for the thing and start it up. Simply the act of having my dash element in the page is what starts that up, right? And that kind of functionality where it's baked into the browser, it's the browser's job to enhance the component, makes this kind of embedded sprinkle Angular into a page case a significantly simpler to do. Um, and so one of the things that we'll be doing is kind of the first, one of the first um, kind of validation points that we do is that we will actually move the Angular documentation over to use elements probably before we ship elements out, right? So we can validate that our user base and see what explodes and you know what doesn't kind of work. Um, but in our early experiments, that that seems to be exactly the sort of use case that becomes significantly easier with this. So if I were to download like Angular elements in the future, right? What's like the download going to look like? Is it going to be like the Angular common or core, or is it going to kind of be its own like like What's that story look like? So we're still kind of debating this. Um, at the moment, the, the way to think about it, and probably the most accurate way to think about it going forward, is that it's just an Angular platform, right? So we have today we have platform browser, and we have platform uh, server, and platform browser dynamic, and a couple others. And they are the thing that starts up your component, right? You have an Angular component, you have a platform, and you basically say, platform, start this component up. And the job is to provide the renderer and all the kind of and at the moment, the thing that works, or elements works, is you basically say, rather than saying, uh, you know, platform browser dot bootstrap module like you do today, you basically say elements platform dot register as elements. It's kind of a similar kind of idea where you have a platform and you use that to register these elements rather than bootstrap those elements, right? The browser then again the act of putting it in the DOM just boots it up. So. Today, and kind of in our prototypes, it's just a platform. It's an alternate way of bootstrapping Angular, right? Um, over the long term, I'm not entirely sure. There's a lot of things that I would like to see that I'm not going to announce that the team is doing yet. 
Um, but certainly, like, I don't want it to be a different thing, right? One of the things we want to be very careful about is to not kind of fork the Angular ecosystem, right? We don't want Angular elements and Angular to be two different things or two different concepts, right? Um, elements is really just an output of sort of style output. Engineering of what we're doing in the next couple of months, right, is how do we do this CLI? What does the CLI experience look like? Do we have a schematic that kind of generates these things for you, right? All of these capability now, and now the job is to kind of integrate it into the Angular ecosystem, right? I would like to get to a point where it's a built-in CLI command where you just say element and then pile two elements. Steve and I were talking about that this morning. Um, but in general, it's like it's the angle you already know, you already know how to use. It's just uh, packaged up in a slightly different way. That's the right way to think about it. What's the performance look like? Um, like, is, is this going to be slower than, like, normal Angular, or is this going to be, like, razor fast? So this is, this is the interesting thing, right, is that, that, again, internally, it is just Angular. It's between kind of what it is doing and, and, and what Angular is today. Um, one of the things that, and I, we get asked a lot when I talk about this, why isn't Angular just doing this by default, right? Like, why aren't web components the thing in Angular anyway? Uh, and part of that is because, one of the, the cases that we're kind of metricing at the moment, right, is it is more expensive, there is no doubt, to create a custom element than it is a vanilla element and kind of glue it to something, right? Uh, in my test, it doesn't matter, except in the very, very extreme edge cases, right? So if you're rendering a list of 100 items, you're not going to see a performance difference. If you're rendering a list of 10,000 items, you may see a difference. And, and one of the things that Angular does today is it allows you to sort of when you update a, a component property, we don't do that via the DOM, right? We're kind of running behind the DOM, and we talk component to component, and then the component reflects that to the DOM. In a world where everything is an element, where everything is a, is a web component, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that Angular is doing that yet, but in a world where all Angular components were web components, there is that penalty, right? You do have to kind of go through the element to get to the actual component, if that makes sense. An issue, and really, this is much more about the if you like, than it is about the Angular application, again, at least today. One of the things is that Angular already supports using custom elements, because again, they are just DOM elements, right? And so you know, there, there is no reason you couldn't take an Angular element and ingest that into an Angular app and use that. At that point, then, there may be a little bit of performance hit as you go through the boundary, right? But again, we don't expect that to be the main use case, and so we don't expect to see much of a performance hit at all. And, and to that point, one of the other things, like the Chrome team over the past six months, I think, they made something like an 150% improvement to the, the kind of boot speed of an Angular or of a, of a custom element, right? That's just browser work they're doing. And the closer we can stick to those standards, every time they make something faster, Angular will get that for free, right? And so it's a big kind of reason to align on the standard stuff is that as the browser optimizes things, Angular will continue to optimize out of that. But generally, we've, not, we've seen no performance kind of major deltas at all. I think that question of the use case is compelling and, and important to kind of trying to get that understanding of like when would we want to use Angular elements versus an Angular application and like you know you talked a little bit about you know widgets for some of these other things and dashboard type stuff or or like this uh, the documentation site right like maybe a little bit more specific on the documentation site like how would elements fit into that or what would they be specifically used for? 
So I can pull this one I was actually pretty excited about because when I first started doing Angular back in 2013, I was also doing SharePoint back in 2013. And I was trying to use Angular in the very beginning, like inside a content web part. And it was pretty difficult, but it seems like this would be perfect. And, and even WordPress, you could just drop it into a little widget. Well, so I was actually at the SharePoint, European SharePoint conference three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, demoing this because they called us, the Microsoft team at work on SharePoint said, well, yeah, this is exactly the kind of thing that we want to do. We've been talking to them for a year or so. And when we talked to them a year ago, you know, we sort of said, well, we have all these pieces that you can use, you know, that you could manually do this. But again, it's a very different thing than just like, let's spit out this thing you can just use, right? So yeah, that, that case is, is very, very near the top of the list. Uh, as you said, the WordPress case is another one that's, that's kind of common. And actually, on my kind of first work for the year, we have basically kind of three, three kind of use cases that we're kind of thinking through, if you like. Um, the first is this kind of cross-code sharing. So to go back to your question, uh, really, like the, the main thing for me, the, and the, main, the reason that this came up, is uh, we were at Netflix, actually. And one of the cool things about Netflix is Netflix, uh, basically, they, ha they have any rules internally. So you can do whatever you want at Netflix. Your team can use whatever tech you want. Um, and that's a big part of working at Netflix, right? Which I think is, is really cool. And it, it means that their teams are very well versed in JavaScripts. They're very good JavaScript engineers. Um, but they, again, you know, like everybody else, they have this problem where they want to use React elements inside of Angular apps and Ember apps inside of Angular apps. And you know, they want to mix and match, right? And so I had a really good conversation with them. Uh, they were doing ng upgrade, uh, and they had some challenges with that. So we came in, and we had a conversation. And one of the things they said to me that, that really stuck out was this idea that it would be a hell of a lot easier if we could just use Angular components, right? Like, that's all we want is the component layer. We don't necessarily want the module layer and all this other stuff that Angular provides, right? We really like Angular components. We have an existing application already, right? Uh, but it would be cool if we could you know, use these Angular components inside of this non-Angular context. So that's kind of case one, right? Is why would you use this? Well, I'm in a mixed environment. I have teams who are working with different things. I work at a big enterprise, right? And I want to build, and the thing we hear about all the time is I want to build the kind of set of common components that my team can build and then all the other teams inside of my big company can use, right? So everybody, every big org we go to is doing this pretty much. And the problem every single framework has today, with the exception of really Polymer, is that you could build this in Angular or React or Ember or whatever you wanted, right? But then the person, again, who consumes this thing then has to make you great. The idea of basing, you'd be able to have a team who does this one thing with Angular and then spits out something that's standard, everybody's able to consume, is case number one. Case internal to Google, where their teams using Angular and Angular Dart, and they want to be able to share code, which they can do, right? But again, teams have to know the other project's code base. They have to understand how to consume that. So this kind of cross-code sharing is number one. Uh, the sort of sprinkle Angular on existing HTML page is case number two, and that kind of encompasses CMSs and WordPress and uh, the SharePoint stuff, web parts. All these things are kind of, I have an existing HTML page. I want to enhance it, add on to it, whatever. I uh, can't actually put my third use case at the moment. I should be able to. Uh, but it basically falls into those kind of two buckets, right? So you have this idea of I want to be able to share code. I'm just pulling out my use case, make sure I'm not saying anything stupid here. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so shared component libraries, right? As you said, I'm a big company. I want to share stuff across different places. Uh, mixed kind of use cases. These embeddable widgets. Um, 
and, and really, like the point is, is that anywhere you're going to do something that's going to be spit out to be used on the web, you could do this with Angular. And that's where we want to get to, right? Is that it's no longer a, a kind of a question of what tool should I use? Well, I already know Angular. Why shouldn't I be able to use Angular to just do anything, everything, whatever? Right? And you got to stop me from babbling, because if you let me, I'll just babble and babble. And babble, <laughs> and babble, and babble. So just, just, I think we want to hear you talk. I, I, I have a question. <laughs> That's the whole reason you're here today. <laughs> so what about your mental shift as a developer? How do you get into saying, hey, I have some, or that you're developing your applications in a way that you may be able to export and send out um, custom elements uh, as part of that? How do you uh, go about saying, hey, I'm writing an application, and yes, I need to write this, and then I need to write this. but the way I write things, this isn't really portable. How would you explain or suggest people start writing their uh, components to make them reusable? So the, the interesting thing is that a lot of people are kind of doing it already. And so uh, one of the things that has sort of naturally fallen out of people who are doing things with Redux or NGRX, or this kind of single kind of store truth-based pattern, right, is that you end up kind of thinking about components in two ways. You have this paradigm of the smart component and the dumb component. Uh, and if you've not kind of worked with this paradigm, the basic idea is that you kind of mentally separate, and it's not a hard line, right, but it's a, a useful way to package up your thinking on this, is that you have kind of two types of components. You have components you want to be able to reuse in lots of different places. So, you know, date pickers, widgets, list views, table views, all these things that are just kind of reusable things. Uh, and then you have smart components, things that are, you know, specific to a single use case. So the case we always talk about is if you're using the router, right, you're probably going to route to a smart component. It's the job of that smart component to talk to the router, talk to whatever API you're talking to, right, kind of mediate between everything. And then all it really does is then shares data state with a bunch of dumb components, right, dumb with You end up with this really nice kind of, I have a page that is the container, and then I have a bunch of renderable dumb widgets on the page that just get given data. Dumb components, presentational components, how do you want to think about that? And so for me, the primary thing there is that the only thing that a so-called dumb component cares about is that it's given input and told to render it, right? That's why we call input on an Angular component input, because it's quite literally, here's some input, I want you to render it, right? And so that's the best way to kind of think about what is a, a, a how am I going to write a thing that's going to be shareable? Well, the best way to think about it is that it should work like the DOM does. And that is the DOM has basically three APIs. It has properties, right? It has attributes, and it has events. Uh, inputs and attributes, Angular maps to, uh, oh, sorry, attributes and, attributes and properties, Angular maps to inputs, right? That's how elements works. We just say, it. if you mark it as an input, we'll link up to the property with the same name and the attribute with the same name. And then outputs become events, right? So if you're building components to be reusable inside of an Angular app, that is, again, probably not relying on too much DI. They're doing input and output to communicate to the outside world. That sort of immediately becomes something that's usable as an Angular element, right? Just package it up. It doesn't care about its context. It gets a little more challenging if you start doing DI from the kind of hierarchical context, right? So uh, rather than necessarily having like a to-do app, uh, let's say you have a to-do service, right, which might have a to-do component, to-do list, to list component. Typically, in an Angular application, you would put that to-do service in the module, right, at the kind of application level. Um, but really, if you think about an Angular element, there is no kind of application running, right? There is no kind of global space. It's just this component. And so for me, it becomes about, let's make sure this component is portable, meaning it doesn't depend on DI context from elsewhere. It may not have that service you're using from somewhere else. How do I communicate outside, right? How does change detection happen? 
I think about this as an on-push component, and I think that that's a reasonably of the way to think about it, right? The same way that on-push works, it doesn't do change detection until the value is given changes. That's more or less how an Angular element will work. Uh, one of the natural things that's come out of this is that we want, obviously, Angular elements to be able to work outside of a zone-based context. Uh, zones, right, are kind of how Angular works today. We've made them optional, uh, and part of that is because of elements, right? And so you can kind of rely on zones and make that work, or you kind of manually take control of change detection yourself. And again, using that kind of input-output paradigm, we've linked that into change detection already. So when you set the property on an element, we will trigger change detection, right? And vice versa, if you emit an event out, we will go ahead and trigger change detection. And so trying to think about these, uh, these things as dumb components, whether input and output driven, is, is the simplest way to put that. And again, part of the release for elements would be best practice on thinking about this, right? What are things that work? What are things that are not easy to do? Um, so yeah, really like the dumb component concepts, the presentational component. Rely only on inputs and outputs. Don't rely on DI too much um, for these kind of reusable components. And it's, it's a perfectly reasonable way to do things. So my next question is when. So this is the thing that I'm not going to answer for you. Sorry. Um, well, I will tell you that we have <laughs> we have teams internally who are uh, banging down our door for this. Right. So while it was a thing that I've been annoying the Angular team about for about a year and a half, probably. Um, we really got traction on it kind of three months ago, and they said, all right, Rob, shut up and just go do this, right? Like, go off and, and build this thing so we stop talking about it. Um, and it turns out that when we kind of presented that, then now there are a bunch of internal teams who want it. So uh, as of today, yeah, as of today, I do actually have an engineer assigned to this project. So we will be beginning to implement pretty soon here, probably near the end of this week. We'll actually start real work on it. We don't actually know when we're going to release it. We're doing a lot of other work in parallel right now. Like most of the engineering team is devoted to this next generation view engine, which is a whole different Angular episode. Um, but yeah, I would think reasonably soon. I have teams who want it sooner than later, um, and we think it's the right time. So I would hope. Isn't there a way that people can still play with it right now, or no? Yeah, so uh, you can. It's a little, little bit easy. not easy to set up. Um, we so we actually have this code on a branch on the Angular uh, repo at the moment. So you can go to what Angular? I think it's the element slash labs branch on there. And we're also shipping that out to npm, so you can do npm install Angular slash lab Angular slash elements slash. There's a whole URL you have to do. Uh, I can do that at the end of the show. And then one of the things I was building last night, which I'll try and ship out in the next couple of days, is a demo using the CLI to do this. Ooh, cool. Because uh, one of the things we really like is if you feel like you're advanced enough or this is a thing that you're interested in, we'd like to be able to play with rights. You can try it on your and make sure that we're not missing anything and make sure there's no kind of glaring holes in the way that we think it's going to work. Post those up, and I'm sure that you guys can share them out. Um, but yeah, you can play with them today. Uh, again, with the warning that this is a labs project and it may change and it may, you know, it may break into your house and kill your dog, right? There's no guarantees. Uh, but certainly, we'd like people to play with the mechanics of it today. And I guess one of the nice things is that again, you have this dichotomy between like the consumer and the producer, right? So, to the person who's consuming this this theoretical Angular component, you can be pretty safe that like their API is not going to change because that API is the DOM. Right, and if they change the DOM API, then the web breaks. So, the person who's consuming it, right, doesn't have to worry about too much what happens in the next few months. Uh, as far as how they're implemented, again, we do not want to change 
the fundamentals of Angular to make this work. So again, if you can think in kind of dumb APIs or dumb component kind of thinking, then you absolutely should be able to play with the, the kind of prototype we have today. Uh, and we'd love your feedback on that, right? If it's something you try and it works or it doesn't work, or can I do this or can I not do this, then uh, just drop us an email at debrel at angular.io or tweet me or whatever, uh, because we're definitely interested in hearing about use cases and feedback before we ship this thing for real. So on that concept really quick about the use cases and stuff, uh, you're talking about like building these reusable components, right? And thinking in terms of, I've got a component I'm going to make as an Angular element. But could you go further than that? Can you have a component that has child components within it? Like, you, could you build a to-do app, right, that has its oh. own service and has its own thing and then say, that's my Angular element and boom, send it out, right? And then people can use that application essentially in other places? After the end of the spectrum date paper case, right? Dumb, isolated, probably only have one or two internal components, right? Reusable, whatever. Which is much closer to what Bonnie was talking about on the kind of uh, SharePoint web part case, right? Or the, you know, uh, like Google Cloud platform internally, right? It is made up of, it's a big app made up of a bunch of little apps, right? And this is a fairly common thing, again, here from Enterprise, right? We have a big app made of a bunch of little apps. And yeah, totally, you, you are able to take any Angular application, big, small, large, whatever, and kind of Basically, what you're doing is denoting what you currently call today an entry component, right? Anything that's an entry component, you could more or less think about as an Angular element. That makes sense. Did you guys so, have one of the most, Sorry, one of the most challenging things about this is today is actually using Angular elements inside of Angular. Uh, that's the thing that we're least set up for today, which is kind of interesting. So that's part of the engineering. We'll have to kind of glue those two things together. Because Angular, right, you have to sort of explicitly tell it uh, this is this is a custom element, or I don't know about this thing. So there's some challenges in there, but absolutely, we want it to be completely seamless so that widget or full-on application can be distributed this way. Yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking about in terms of... Sorry, go ahead, Bonnie. Go ahead. Sorry. Did you guys have any... The, the, the biggest challenge that I had when I was trying to put Angular inside SharePoint way back when they first came out was zones, like the change detection and stuff like that. Do you guys see any conflicts with that? So uh, one of the things that we, we kind of know very well, I think, is that if you're going to be running in one of these uh, kind of mixed environments, right, if Angular is not at the top of the page, then zones is a pretty hard sell as a thing. Um, and so this is one of the reasons that we've made it an optional API now. You can actually opt out of using zones in Angular. Obviously, if you opt out, what that means is that you have to then trigger change detection manually for yourself. So again, one of the kind of parallel engineering efforts that's going on at the moment um, is to kind of come up with a set of, if you like, reactive APIs for Angular. And so this comes up not only because of the elements case, but you know we talked to a bunch of teams who, I should back up, zones, right, for most people work really well. I think that zones are a pretty straightforward thing, right? They make it pretty trivial to think about. You don't have to worry about it until it doesn't, right? And so zones are great until they're not. And that's always been kind of our feedback on them, right, is that zones are great when you don't care. But if you're building something which is doing something interesting, you're doing really high performance data, or you're working with WebSockets, or I was speaking to a team the other day who's doing like a drone remote control platform in Angular. Um, those people, right, zones get in the way. They become a challenge. Um, and so we've made them optional now. Angular no longer explodes if you boot up without zones, as long as you tell us, I don't want to use them. Uh, but of course, that means you have to take control yourself, right? It kind of changes the way that Angular works. And so uh, like I've built a little prototype push pipe, for example, that instead of doing scheduling change detection, it just runs change detection. Um, so again, we have this parallel effort to like, how do we think about Angular without zones, right? How do we think about an Angular that, that doesn't require zones to work without people having to do a bunch of manual work? 
Um, it turns out that really the answer to that is probably going to be observables, right? So again, if you're using Rx and NGRx and, and sort of the way that people do things today in Angular, then we're reasonably confident that we can move you to a future without zones if and when you don't want them. Um, but again, this is, this is the thing that we have to solve kind of in parallel, that is, like, how do you do change detection without zones in an ergonomic way, right? Um, you can always just inject the change, the change detector and call it, kind of call it manually, right? Um, but we would much rather be able to see something like, as I said, the async pipe uh, kind of rethought as a push pipe or some decorators in Angular to be able to sort of say automatically, you know, subscribe to this thing and run change detection. I, I don't know, we have about a dozen ideas that we're going to work through over the next kind of few months to, again, have a, like a non-zone-based kind of reactive API story, right? Most people, again, who are using NGRX or that kind of way of thinking today are like 95% of the way to that world anyway. Um, Did I hear it correctly? Zones are going by. by, by. No, I'm not going to say that at all, right? They are now optional. Um, and we realize, I think, that there are cases where it doesn't work. But I would argue that, that that's probably the 5% case, right? For 95% of people, it works absolutely fine. Uh, if you're the kind of person who comes on JavaScript podcasts, then you probably are in that 5% anyway, right? Um, I can see McDaniel over there clapping his hands and, and shaking his head, yeah. But for most people, we find that they work pretty well. Uh, but certainly, like, we don't want them to be a required aspect of Angular, right? Um, and it may be, you know, like, when JavaScript proxies land everywhere, then maybe we don't need them. Or, you know, there are a whole variety of different things that, that could supersede zones. But again, we want to be very clear, uh, like everything else in Angular, right, that anything like that that would happen would not happen instantly, would be deprecated as necessary, would go through the process, right? That and to make them you know, required or non-required, but without them and you have some other idea of how you want to do things, we want to enable that as well. And I think you'll see a lot of that in the next kind of few months of Angular is that Angular has a way of doing things. We like that way of doing things. But increasingly, you know, we know that that doesn't work for everybody. And so we want to add the ability to Angular to extend it for your own use cases, right? Make it more flexible. Elements is just one of the things that's kind of falling out of this, right? Reactive Angular is the other thing that falls out of this. So we want to, where possible, you know, give you a solid platform. We will not provide everything. It may be that some of these reactive things end up in NGRX, for example, right? Um, but we want to make sure that the Angular kind of core platform enables people to do whatever they want and doesn't kind of get in the way. So we've jumped into a little bit into the details there of dependency injection and zones and everything else. Uh, can you show us a few quick demos of how you'd use these? So from the surface level of not only uh, consuming them, but also writing them and what yeah. they look like? Uh, so you want to flip me over to screen share this? Done. Do I need to choose to do that? Can you see my screen? Are we good? Yeah, you see my face. Do you? Uh, I got it. Green rectangle, white arrow. I don't know how to use my but there we go. Yes? Yes. OK. Uh, so this is uh, just a very, very simple Angular element. Show you how it works in the browser. Uh, so body, hello tag, right? It's got an attribute name. It's got this thing that Angular adds. It's kind of automatically, you can see I'm running out of kind of in-between version of Angular here. Like this is just a DOM elements. Uh, I can go in here and I can basically I can inspect it, right? So I'm looking at it here. Again, the console I can dollar sign zero it. Actually, I don't know how to use my computer today. Dollar sign zero. Uh, 
it's something that's completely booked. Uh, ah, I know what I'm doing. I'm a real engineer, I promise. Okay, so uh, dollar sign zero here. This is our hello world element, right? So I can go in here and I can do interesting things like I can actually just change the attribute, can't do it from there, so I can say hello Rob or hello Angular Air. And so while, like, while this seems pretty kind of, why are you even showing me this? This is the thing that doesn't actually work in Angular today. It actually doesn't work in almost any JavaScript framework at all in that you are typically working in JavaScript and not thinking about the DOM at all, right? Uh, Angular conceptually today is very much like from your code to the DOM. It's a one-way sort of thing. Uh, this begins to bridge that gap, right? So I'm able to go ahead and mess with this in the DOM. And if you think about how Universal works or how server-side rendering works or how WordPress works, this is the kind of configuration you want to be able to do, right? You want to be able to say, when you're setting up the HTML page, here's the information I want to give you, right? So here, we're actually setting the attribute that plugs into change detection uh, that actually kind of triggers this whole process, right? Um, but from the outside world, right, again, this is just a DOM elements. I'm going ahead and I can set the property on it that way. So I can say name, and let's say that to Rob. So again, all, everything I'm doing here is just kind of standard DOM APIs, right? If this thing had any events, which it doesn't, I could do add event listener. Of course, I can document.query selector for it, not query command for it, query selector. Whatever I call this thing, I don't actually remember what I called it. So it's hello world. So I can query for it. So all this kind of is pretty standard stuff. The one that I really like, and this is the thing that if you're an Angular developer, this will kind of, I think, really show you what I'm talking about. So I can get in here and I can say this. I can say, give me the hello world constructor. So I'm using custom elements here. This is baked in the browser. I'm just saying, get me the hello world constructor. If you're an Angular developer, you can think about this as a component factory resolver, more or less, right? So now I've got the hello world constructor. It's actually just a, you know, it's a baked in HTML element now. So I can do this. I can say, let my L is a new hello world element. Now I've actually got an instance of it. I can go and set the name to you know, Angular, not Angular 2, Angular 5.0. Set it to that. And then I can just say document.body.penchild and add that L to the page. Oh, that's cool. At that point, then, you know, it's on the page. I can go and mess with this one, whatever I want to do. You know, I can mess with the attributes. I go in here. There's a bug already. Great. The name is whatever. It'll pick it up, right? It gets set to that. So again, we're just kind of giving you, really, this is totally standard job structure. This is totally standard DOM thing that we think, I think, it really changes how everything works. Because everything that consumes this has no idea it's Angular, and this works basically everywhere at this point. Um, let's see if I have a demo here. We're also validating this material. Uh, I should warn you that not all of the material components are ready for this yet, so don't go off and, and do this and expect them to work yet. Um, but effectively here, I'll just kind of show you the basic setup here. So uh, we've got this new Angular, it's a little bigger. We've got our Angular Elements package here, which is new. Uh, we're actually using this one locally at the moment. Uh, and it actually has this register as custom elements. And then if I go into my app, uh, so we've got entry components listed here. So we've got the mat checkbox, these various material components, imports as used to, right? So this is all kind of standard Angular stuff. And then all we're saying is this list of entry components of the checkbox and the progress spinner, whatever. We go into our main, we're bringing them in here, our entry components. And then we're basically saying register as custom elements, and we pass it this bootstrap function, which kind of 
can set up the, the platform, whatever it needs to do. But basically, this command here registers these elements with the browser. So I could go now into this window. And if I went into the console and went custom elements dot get something like, oh, I don't know, Matt Slider. You can actually see that now we've got the Matt Slider register in the browser, right? So I can say bar slider is this. Slider. And just say document.body.10child. I think this will work. I haven't actually tried this beforehand. That does, right? So again, once they register in the browser, which is what this kind of register as custom elements function does, uh, then they become usable, you know, wherever you want to, you can retrieve them. Uh, they have some useful hooks, like for lazy loading, you can say custom elements about when defined mat slider. Give me a callback and let me know that, which is handy, right? Um, so this is really good for lazy loading. So it opens up a whole bunch of new options, um, but it's a really simple, straightforward thing to do. Again, like we're not doing any code changes here for these these material components we're using. We're just importing them as is and and registering them. So this is what we're thinking about, and we, we what we don't know is whether this will be something you have to do manually. Do we do this in the schematic? Do we do this as part of a CLI process? Um, but typically, like the only thing that really changes here is the the fact that we're changing the way that things are bootstrapped a little bit. That is that's straight fire. That's awesome. People need to that are watching this need to rewind and watch that again, and rewind and watch that again a little bit because that is it's killer. It's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 really it's and I have to say, even like I work on the Angular team, right? I know why we've made all the students we've made. Um, but the ability to do this and just grab one and create a new instance of an Angular component is super, super nice. Like, I cannot express to you how nice it is to, to use things this way as a consumer of Angular, right? Can you do this is This is the direction I think we want to move in. Can you go back stuff. to that uh, slider example real quick? Uh, yes. Yes, I can. And just slide the value just so that people can see that that actually is a working component with the coloring and everything else, uh, just as the other one. Uh, work. Yeah, just I'll do you one better here. I don't actually remember what the name of the output is here. Anybody know while I'm looking this up what the output name is for a mat slider? But nobody does. Might be value change. I can't remember. So let's do document dot query selector mat slider. It's just change. It just change. Cool. Mm -hmm. So uh, this slider up here, I think, was the one I just covered on. So now you add event listener. So again, this is standard DOM, right? Add event listener is a totally baked in method. You said it was change. Yeah. I actually remember which one I picked up. It's not that one. Oh, yeah. So you can see as I change it, it's firing events out to the outside world. So again, Adamant Listener is just the, the kind of baked in standard browser API, um, which means that like, if you wanted to use this in an Angular component, right? That would work perfectly as normal. But also, if I want to consume it in anything else, in raw JavaScript or anything else, I can subscribe to that event, get the value out, and use it as I see fit. Not 
Justin Nagler. Um, I'm going to around here and so I can track it down real quick. May or may not be it. Somewhere I have a demo. I have a demo somewhere of basically this working inside of a, a Preact component, right? So because again, it's just DOM, once it spits out, then you can drop it right into a React app or a Preact app or an Ember app or whatever, right? Anything that speaks DOM, this just works in automatically. Is there a place for um, all, like you have of all of your demos or slides that you've done? Because I know you've spoken at multiple conferences now about elements and things. Is there like one local place for all of that or? I'm not really that well organized as a person. Okay. okay. Um, I, I can sh share the deck, which has most of the links out to most of these things. Okay. Um, I think in general, we're, we're trying to, and here I am on a podcast talking about it, right? Um, <laughs> we like we want to be clear that like we think for advanced users today, if you want to try this out and give us feedback, we'd love that, right? But at the same time, we don't want the whole community to freak out that we're changing everything. Um, incremental minor thing, right? Um, but coherent story for people, right? If this is something you're playing with, reach out to me on Twitter or whatever, and I'm happy to tweet you back whatever I have. Um, as I'll, I'll share this kind of demo app, which I'm building at the moment, which kind of gives you a much better idea end-to-end -end of how this kind of all works together. Very, very cool. And I assume to get the latest news on Angular Elements, if people are following you or Angular on Twitter. Yeah, probably I'm the best person to follow on Twitter at the moment about it. Um, I think probably at ng-conf will probably have a little bit more to say about this. Um, for the moment, we're all kind of heads down working on the various things to make sure this is ready to go. And then before we release, right, we'll have a docs page and a page on Angular.io and, and all that good stuff for it. Very cool. I think one thing that is going to be challenging going forward in the future with this is the concept that we're dealing with here now is like, okay, people can go and make these Angular elements reusable components sort of thing. Now they go and do that and they go and do all the DOM stuff that you just did and they want to do more complex DOM things. They're writing JavaScript to do more DOM, more DOM, more DOM. Then all of a sudden, the stuff they're writing in regular JavaScript is basically the Angular framework stuff. And when did they you know, go, now they've just reproduced that. Instead of just building an Angular app, right, now they're in this world of mix and match. Like how do you, you, know, how do you guide people as we go forward to, to not get in that realm, right? And for me, it's one of the things that like, I, I see it as a little bit of a gateway drug. And maybe I shouldn't really say things like that, right? But in, in general, like, we have a lot of people that I would really like to be able to try out Angular because, again, there is a lot of really great things about Angular right? that preclude you from having to do manual documentation, all these things. right? We find that a lot of people, who they just never used a framework that does this, whether that's React or Angular or Ember. Right? And so a lot of the, I, I think one of the major kind of drawbacks to Angular today, right? If, if, you, if you have this major platform, it does everything you want to do, that's all great, right? But I think the impression is, rightly or wrongly, when you come to Angular.io or when you talk to somebody about Angular, right, the impression is it's this thing that's going to take over your entire application, right? It's the thing that you kind of have to learn everything before you can do everything or before you can do anything, right? And we don't want to feel that way. I don't think that that's the thing that we're trying to kind of produce, right? We are trying to solve all your problems all at once, which is great, right? Um, but certainly, I would like you to be able to kind of try Angular, right? Like, there's a really great article from the Slack engineering team. Uh, their entire application was written in kind of artisan handled JavaScript for a long time. Um, but they wrote a really great blog post about them uh, trying out React, either maybe in React, something like that. And because it was a 
small enough thing that they could build just a component, right, without any kind of real risk to their project, right, they tried out React to build this, this picker, right? And they went, oh, that was really nice. Let's build the rest of our application with React, right? And I think that Elements for me is kind of a similar concept for Angular, if you like, right? I would like people to be able to try Angular. If you only ever want to use a component framework, fine, right? Maybe you only ever want to build Angular widgets, like Polymer, totally fine. Um, but if and when you do need the rest of the framework, right, you do need routing or internationalization or HTTP or all this other stuff that we provide, then you have a really well-integrated story for the rest of it, right? You don't have to go pick up whatever the five different projects are to kind of finish the rest of the story. So yeah, it's a gateway drug. I'd like people to try it. You know, it's not a big scary thing. Um, and then if and when you want the rest of Angular, great, we have it. Yeah, no, I'm super excited about it. Every time I see you talk about it at another conference, I'm like, hee hee. <laughs> I've been waiting years for this. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a a good gap bridger for people in the enterprise that you know, have, have built jQuery stuff, have built like knockout stuff, knockout JS stuff, um, you know, MVC, Angular, ASP.NET MVC and things like that with JavaScript. And, and it's like, they've done that world. Now they need to do this Angular stuff. How do they get there? Well, they can do some, this is a similar pattern to those sort of things. It gives you that entry to it, like I said. Right. The, the one thing I want to add and the other thing is, is we talked about use cases, but I think we should also talk about when you don't want to use it. Um, because I don't think it makes as much sense if you just have a single page application written in Angular, everything in your organization is everything Angular, where you don't necessarily need to eject and have it used or consumed by anything else or using any other frameworks uh, that you don't necessarily need to use Angular elements. Is so you uh, pushed it. This is a bit of a hot button for me. Um, yeah, I think that's an accurate statement today. I think that's a reasonably accurate statement, right? There is not a lot of benefit to using Angular elements inside of Angular app today as Angular stands today, okay? What I would say, though, and I'll preface that this is very highly speculative, right? This is not the Angular team's official opinion. It's just me as a guy who works in the Angular team, um, is that, right, we basically Angular components already act like this in the sense that they already basically feel like web components. Inputs, outputs, props, events, right? They are more or less the same thing, conceptually. And what is not really a big secret is that actually that's kind of on purpose, right? Like, this is not, we didn't accidentally do this, I don't think. An early on design decision in anger was to kind of make this a thing, right? Now, the, the thing that I would like to see, again, highly speculative, this is not what we're going to necessarily do, right? But to me, eventually, and this is, I don't think we're there today, but at some point in the future, I just think that all Angular components should just be custom elements. There's not a whole lot of reason that they wouldn't be, right? I knew it. I knew you were going there. I saw it in your eyes. <laughs> and that's point, right, like, when you think about uh, APIs like uh, component factory resolver dot resolve component factory, right? Compared to what I just did in the console, which was get a reference to the element constructor, create a new instance of it, and stick it in the DOM, right? Uh, to me, that feels easier, right? Now, that's not to say that there aren't problems, there aren't things we need to, you know, there aren't challenges to be solved there. But at the very high kind of hand-wavy conceptual level, right? To me, it makes sense that eventually we'd get there, right? And at that point, then, what is the distinction between an Angular component, a custom element, and a web component? Mm, not very much, right? Today, there are performance benefits to us skipping that, right? If you're doing, if you're rendering, again, a thousand of these things, then it may be that it's cheaper to not do it, right? And again, it's, it's a hell of a lot more complex today in Angular to do Angular elements out of Angular, right? So I'm not saying that that's what you should do today. 
But I do not want to give the impression, and I certainly want to be quite careful to say that like, I don't see any technical, technical blockers to us making everything in Angular this way eventually. Right? We work closely enough with the teams to build these standards. I'm actually going out to Tokyo next month for the first time. Uh, to sit in on the, the Web Components actual working group meeting, right? Um, I think that's a big thing that Angular needs to be doing. We want to be involved in the standards discussions so that when these things don't make sense or we have a 1,000 people say, hey, actually, it would be really cool if we had an event that told us this, right? We can be part of that discussion. And I think for Angular to be part of that discussion, we need to be eating that dog food, right? We need to be using these, these APIs, these browser APIs. We do with templates. We do with Shadow DOM. To me, custom elements is just kind of the natural next step on that process. Yeah, makes sense to me. Don't quote me on that one yet. But again, that's that's where I'd like to see us go. It's not a, there's a non-trivial problem. There's a lot that would have to be done. Um, but certainly, this way of thinking, I think, is is a is a reasonable way of going. Cool. All right. Well, we're at the top of the hour, so we better wrap this thing up. Uh, Rob, do you have to get out of the room at exactly the top of the hour? I don't think I don't think I'm gonna get kicked out of this room. Okay, so we'll do picks and, and we'll do your yes. picks last if you have any picks. So we'll give you a last chance to talk. So, so let's jump into picks. Um, uh, who we got? Who wants to go first? Uh, Alyssa, you got some? Yeah, I've got a couple. Oh yeah, you can go, Austin. All right, awesome. So um, one of my like favorite libraries. I build a lot of widgets, obviously, uh, and one of my favorite libraries is Storybook showcase component library um, for React. And over the holiday break, they added support for Angular. And it is just super awesome. Everyone should check it out. Um, over the Christmas break, a library by the same folks that wrote MobX came out called Immer. And it does immutable uh, state management, and it also like implements proxies. So if people that are familiar with like immutable JS, like this is kind of similar, um, but it's kind of using proxies and and things like that. Also, um, right before the break, uh, a article came out uh, around GraphQL and the future of state management with GraphQL. Essentially, like talking about like okay, like we're using GraphQL like on the server, let's, let's think about using it um, for like on the client as well. And they have this like whole mechanism for like client side state management and things like that. So really cool. Nice, nice. All right, Alyssa? Um, mine, so if you've been living under a rock, my two picks will be new for you. Um, <laughs> there's two conferences coming up, NG Atlanta, and then of course the NG Conf, which is after that. So if you can go to either one, please do. I know, I think, I don't know, as everyone, is there anyone on this podcast that's not going to be at one of those? I feel like everyone's going to be at least one of those. So yeah, come and join us. And that is all. Nice. Nice. Bonnie? Yeah, I am uh, actually super excited because uh, I have a really cool uh, episode coming up on NG Houston this week and next week. This week I have Mike and Brandon uh, coming back again to talk about NGRX and schematics and a uh, super packed panel. Everybody's really excited about that show. Next week, Hans Larson uh, and coming to talk about Angular CLI. And also, uh, to piggyback off Alyssa's, the 
CFP deadline for NGConf is coming up. Like it's right around the corner. So if you have not submitted your CFP for NGConf, do it now. Those are my picks. Nice, nice. All right, Mike. One quick pick. Um, it was announced today that Rollup is now officially written in TypeScript. Uh, I believe the PR was merged, uh, the one that I saw. Uh, it'll be in the show notes, but Rollup now in TypeScript. So I'm glad to see TypeScript continuing to grab additional uh, backing. Man, just like your uh, trading spaces uh, reference earlier to start the show, I feel like TypeScript's now getting to that point. I remember the days way back when, when nobody wanted to touch TypeScript. And now it's just... I'll, I'll date myself one more time. So Rob mentioned the idea that everybody's written a date picker at one point. The first date picker that I ever wrote, I remember having the conversation before I wrote it of whether or not to write it in JavaScript or VB script. So I'm just going to leave that there, figure out the dates of that. It was a while ago. Not a new problem. Nice. Nice. All right, Rob, do you have any picks you want to throw out there? or? Uh, yeah, so I guess two that are particularly close to my heart at the moment, they're both browser standards, which is not super exciting, but I think actually both of these are really exciting. Um, so the first one is, is that uh, Jafar Hussein and Ben Lesh and a couple other Googlers, myself included, have been for a while uh, going on and on and on and on and on about observables. Um, and we talked to TC39 about standardizing them, and TC39 is a really challenging place to standardize things. Uh, so it turns out what we're actually going to do is go ahead and propose, have proposed uh, observables for the DOM uh, as a what wig spec, what WG uh, browser spec. So uh, you can go read that if you like on the what WG repo. I'll send a link about that. The basic idea is we're going to add a method that is on to a DOM element that allows you to say some element dot on, and that returns an observable, um, which then while I could talk again another hour about that, I won't. Um, but it's cool. It actually would form the basis for a lot of really interesting stuff that Angular could do, so that's nice. Uh, the other one that is kind of later stage and that everybody should go read if you're building applications, because again, it's the right time for feedback if you are, is the uh, part and theme proposal for uh, Shadow DOM. So uh, one of the biggest problems we have today with native Shadow DOM in the browser is doing things like theming. So we want to ship Angular material out to the world, right? Uh, and let people theme parts of it, right? And again, again, anybody who's built a big complex Angular application knows this, that you, know, you can do kind of native encapsulation or this kind of pseudo encapsulation that we do or none. Um, it's really not nice to kind of style things through these shadow DOMs. It's not an easy thing to do. So there's this new part and theme uh, proposal which allows you to basically do deep theming and do all kinds of clever things that are really hard to do today. So uh, go check that one out, and again, I can send a link to that out. Um, it's actually like my last three Twitter posts. Um, so those would be my two read standards. Uh, standards are always useful because the applications get less code we have to ship. Both of those two would make Angular applications significantly smaller and faster. And easier, so. Yeah, and, and that uh, could help out with Angular Elements story too, right? The styling when it comes yeah. to Angular Elements part. So yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. All right, Rob, thanks a lot for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your time uh, telling us about Angular Elements. We really look forward to the future of that for sure. Uh, if you see Steven, tell him he's scheduled to come on next week. So let's make sure he's, he's going to be here talking about us. Usually Steven tells us what doing. It's not, he's the one who's much better organized, but I'll let him know. All right, just drop it in his ear. <laughs> All right, thanks. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Appreciate thanks it. For me. All right, later, everyone.